of the world is within you. Sacred and worthy is your soul. A place has been made for you. Welcome to the First Unitarian Society of Denver podcast. Thank you for joining us on this journey of the mind, the heart, and the spirit. You may also visit us on the web at fusden.org or find us on Facebook. This week's selections come from First Unitarian's online service held Sunday, October 18th, 2020. The title is A Unitarian Universalist Platform. The homily is by Reverend Mike Moran. Good morning, First Unitarian. Welcome to our online worship this morning. I'm going to call us to worship today with some of the defining words, one of the defining documents of modern Unitarian Universalism. This uh, document serves effectively as the covenant of the Unitarian Universalist Association and all of its congregations. It reads like this. We, the member congregations of the Unitarian Universalist Association, covenant to affirm and promote the inherent worth and dignity of every person. Justice, equity, and compassion in human relations. Acceptance of one another and encouragement to spiritual growth in our congregations. A free and responsible search for truth and meaning. The right of conscience and the use of the democratic process within our congregations and in society at large. The goal of world community with peace, liberty, and justice for all and respect for the interdependent web of all existence of which we are a part. That is essentially our covenant with each other, with our brother and sister congregations, uh, and with the world. If those are principles that you yourself believe in, you are warmly invited to covenant with us in this great journey of the mind and the heart and the spirit. I light our chalice today with that thought. Once again, welcome to our online worship today. First Unitarian, I want to hold up a few joys and concerns of our larger community at this time. First, I want to let you know that uh, Tim and Cindy Robertson's son, Nathan, who last week I let you know he had tested positive for COVID. Uh, he is doing much better this week. Uh, Tim and Cindy wanted me to let you know that. They appreciate all the care and concern. Uh, and at this point in time, it looks like things are going to be fine. I want to just take a moment and give a big shout out to all the teachers and educators out there at every level, college all the way down to preschool, who are trying to do this, trying to do their jobs under uh, astonishingly, incredibly complex and difficult conditions, uh, in person, online, online, in person, uh, with kids who are confused and missing their peers and uh, struggling with trying to pay attention in their own homes uh, when they really should be in classrooms with each other. Uh, I want to give a shout out to all the parents out there who are struggling with this reality that uh, everyone is dealing with. Um, heaven help us all. We're going to get through this. Keep strong um, and ask for the help you need. If, if, if there's any way your church can, need, can help you, let us know. By way of a prayer this morning, uh, I opened the service today with the 
principles and purposes of our association. And by way of a prayer, I want to let you know the sources that our tradition looks to for spiritual renewal and strength, courage, togetherness, comfort. The living tradition we draw from shares many sources. Direct experience of that transcending mystery and wonder affirmed in all cultures, which moves us to a renewal of the spirit and an openness to the forces which create and uphold life. Words and deeds of prophetic women and men, which challenge us to confront powers and structures of evil with justice, compassion, and the transforming power of love. Wisdom from the world's religions, which inspires us in our ethical and spiritual life. Jewish and Christian teachings, which call us to respond to God's love by loving our neighbors as ourselves. Humanist teachings, which counsel us to heed the guidance of reason and the results of science and warn us against idolatries of the mind and spirit. Spiritual teachings of earth-centered traditions, which celebrate the sacred circle of life and instruct us to live in harmony with the rhythms of nature. Grateful for the religious pluralism that enriches and ennobles our faith, we are inspired to deepen our understanding and expand our vision as free congregations. We enter into this covenant, promising to one another our mutual trust and support. Amen to that, friends. Good morning. I have an announcement to make. My name is Michael DeWitt Moran. I am an ordained minister in the Unitarian Universalist tradition, and I am running for president of the United States of America. Full disclosure, I have no budget, I have no campaign manager, I have no staff, no website, I don't have any flyers, I'm not even on the ballot. But about every four years, in the middle of election season, I just start feeling like the world needs a little bit more of a Unitarian Universalist perspective on what's going on around us. Allow me to make my case. Friends, fellow citizens, fellow humans who want a better country. I will be blunt. The work ahead of us is both political and it is spiritual. If we are to much longer survive as a single nation. Let me briefly address the spiritual work before spending most of this talk on some of the necessary policies and priorities in the political realm. Let's face a couple of really basic facts. We are a fractured and a fractious nation. No argument there. And here is an undeniable in my humble opinion, non-negotiable truth. There can be, and there will be, no peace without 
justice. Period. Full stop. Part of the reason we are a fractious people, a big part of the reason, is that there are deep wounds in our history that have never been acknowledged, never been addressed, and therefore never been healed. These wounds extend to this very day and to the inability of entire communities within our country to achieve justice for themselves, their families, their children. There will be no peace until there is justice. And I know there are many who will not like this fact or what this fact implies, but facts do not care one whit about whether or not any of us like them or agree with them necessarily. James Baldwin said it clearly, not everything that is faced can be changed, but nothing can be changed until it is faced. The three great injustices pressing on our country, our citizenry, right now, are racism, economic inequality, and the disrespect we have shown to the earth that sustains us. I can't say it any clearer. There will be no peace until we have racial justice, economic justice, and environmental justice. And anyone who tells you any different is just not dealing with the facts. I'm under no illusions about the difficulty of attaining justice. The forces of history and human nature will fight tooth and nail to maintain past and present injustices. They will distract, they will change the subject, they will gaslight, they will twist words, and they will resort to violence and to threats. But as president, I will fight just as tooth and nail to rise above the forces that divide us, to face what needs to be faced, and hopefully move the needle just a little bit closer towards peace. I want to be clear, crystal sharply clear, that, the, that peace is the goal. Peace in our cities, peace in our communities, peace in our countryside, peace in our country, peace among our citizens. That is the goal, and justice is the means to that goal. Our task is the spiritual fortitude to imagine that future and to work for racial justice, economic justice, and environmental justice. I'm not saying we'll always get it right. I'm not saying I will always get it right. I won't say, I'm not saying I won't make mistakes or that no one will get hurt or angry. I'm telling you my goal. I'm telling you my philosophy behind it and the means by which I will approach it. You choose whether that effort is worth your vote and what part you will play in that effort. Now, to address some of the more concrete and pressing political issues of our time. One issue that concerns every single American, whether they know it or not, whether they like it or not, is the economy. Are there jobs? 
Do they pay enough to support a family? Do those jobs contribute to the common good? Friends, I believe that the last 60 years of American economic policy have been a massive con job. Millions of otherwise intelligent, hardworking people have been led to believe that what is good for corporations and the already wealthy is somehow good for all the rest of us. The working theory, as evidenced by both political parties, but especially by Republicans, is that we grow the economy by freeing up capital, and we free up capital by, one, lowering taxes on corporations and the wealthy, and two, by deregulation. That's deregulation of labor laws, environmental protection, consumer protection, antitrust laws, and commerce. In theory, that freed up capital will then be invested in innovation, new products, new enterprises, and then eventually create new jobs. The problem is it doesn't work. It has never worked. It never will work. What actually happens with that strategy is that the freed up capital ends up going into the pockets of the corporations and the already wealthy. And when they do invest in new enterprises and new industries, because it is a global economy, they invest where they believe they will make the most profit. And these days that usually means in places like Indonesia and Thailand and uh, India and other places where both raw materials and labor are cheap, nothing against those countries, but the strategy um, benefits them more than it does us. Let's be honest about that. It's time to ditch that theory and those obvious measurable results. It's time to move away from corporate welfare and coddling the wealthy. It's time to invest in creating millions of good-paying jobs right here by rebuilding the infrastructure of this country. And I'm talking about roads and bridges and schools and transit systems and dams and waterways and national parks and forests and ports and airports and power grids and sustainable energy generation and, yes, municipal water systems. Let's start in Flint, Michigan. In my administration, these projects will be required 100% to be as environmentally friendly as possible, including the research and the products required to make those projects environmentally friendly. The issues of sustainable jobs and a sustainable planet are not separate. We can and we should be leading the world in training a whole new generation in how to grow in environmentally friendly industries, products, and workers. That's how we are going to begin to rebuild a middle class in America. An issue closely related to the economy, jobs, and the environment is our international relations. We have had an unfortunate recent policy of thinking we can go it alone while we have been shunning, disrespecting, or pushing our international allies away. Let's be real. The biggest problems we face are not just American problems. Our biggest problems are global problems. Climate change, pollution, war, 
dwindling resources, food production and food distribution, 65 million refugees. These matters of life and death require global solutions. People working together across boundaries and politics and race and gender and class and language and any other phony human division to pretend otherwise is just delusional. My administration will immediately begin repairing our relationships with our allies, will begin pushing for global solutions to global problems with every ounce of our focus and intention. Instead of turning away from these efforts, the United States should be leading these efforts, and we will. And, of course, there are problems that just belong to us here in the United States. Let me briefly address a few of these. Our health care system and associated health care costs are unsustainable in their current form and structure. There's no doubt about this. Health care costs have and continue to rise faster than wages, faster than the GDP, Faster than inflation, you don't have to be a genius to do the math on this. It simply cannot continue. It is unsustainable. The United States continues to spend more per capita than any other modern democracy on health care and continues to provide less care per capita than any other modern democracy. We have a lot to learn about how to make health care more affordable and more accessible. I will create a panel with congressional participation to study how we might begin to transition towards solving the problem of health care affordability and accessibility. Probably that is some form of single-payer system, but it might be something else. You know, I don't know exactly what the answer is, but here's what we know for sure is that what we're currently doing is not it. All constructive ideas will be welcome, but the criteria has to be absolutely crystal sharply clear. The criteria is affordability, accessibility, and sustainability, period. Immigration. Again, I will be blunt. Building a wall is not a solution because it doesn't even address the problem. Let's be clear about what the problem is. The problem is twofold. First, the existing system is isolated from and utterly inadequate to the real economy of the workers we need in any number of industries here in the United States. That's the first problem. The second problem is that the existing system is inhumane and cruel when it comes to families, children, and asylum seekers. Those two core problems are the source of all the other problems in the immigration system. I will call on Congress, and I will work with Congress to overhaul our immigration system as a national priority. That reform must include one, a path to citizenship. It is the only sensible, reasonable thing to do. It must include 
clear humanitarian goals by giving priority to keeping families together and to refugees seeking persecution, fleeing persecution. It must streamline and restructure programs for temporary workers, which we need in any number of industries, including the rights of those workers to a living wage and to organize if they so choose. It must protect the basic human rights of every living soul on our soil, period, full stop. And lastly, it must must match the flow as close as possible to what the country and the economy can reasonably tolerate on a sustainable basis so that we do not once again end up here with a broken, dysfunctional system that hurts everybody. One more issue that I feel really needs to be addressed. It shouldn't need to be addressed, but in our current time, it does. Science is not perfect. But science is the best avenue we have for discerning truths about the world that we live in. Science, not opinions or politics, is what tells us how viruses spread and how to stop that spread. Science is what tells us how carbon and chemistry and temperature affect climate and our lives and our ability to sustain ourselves and our crops that feed us. Science is what tells us the costs of species extinction and deforestation and pollution in the ocean. Science is what will develop the technology we need to live in better harmony with the earth that sustains us and every single living thing we know of. Friends, my administration will invest in science. We will ask hard questions of science, and we will listen to the answers. We will take seriously the global threats we face from our own excesses, and we will ask you you for the sacrifices necessary to transition away from those excesses. We will do this for ourselves. We'll do it for our children and our children's children. Do we really have another choice? Friends, citizens, fellow humans who want a better country, we are in treacherous times. We have problems so entrenched, it's difficult to even know where to start. We have social, political, racial, and class divisions among our citizens and residents that make solving any problem fraught with misunderstanding and mistrust. Here's what I will promise you. First, I will never lie to you. You might not like what I say, but whatever I say, it will be the truth as I best understand it. If I don't know, I'll say, I don't know. If I get something wrong, I will say, Shoot, I got that wrong. How can we do better? Second, I will be absolutely clear and transparent with you about my faith, my philosophy, and my priorities. I believe human beings function best and reach their highest potentials when there is peace and when there is freedom. And, 
neither peace nor freedom will be achievable without justice. That's where I'm coming from. That means justice for people of color and the descendants of people who were enslaved in America. That means, and that when it comes to education opportunities and equality within the justice system. That means justice for women when it comes to wages and opportunities and the self-determination to make their own decisions and to be believed when they tell us they have been abused. That means justice for lesbian, gay, bisexual, queer, transgendered, and other non-hetero, non-binary identities who should never, ever have to worry about whether they can get a job or keep a job or find a place to live or being assaulted just for being who they are. And that means justice for the non-human world of oceans and sky and forests and water and wind which have been telling us without words, but with increasing insistence that we better sit up and pay attention. That's what I'm willing to build coalitions for. That's what I'm willing to sacrifice for. That is what I'm asking you to sacrifice for. We have a lot of good and necessary work ahead of us. I'm asking for your vote. Thank you. differences and beneath our diversity there is a unity that makes us one and binds us forever together throughout all time through life and death and the space between the stars Throughout all time, through life and death, and the space between the stars. Our benediction today is the First Unitarian Society of Denver. Congregational Covenant. I will listen to you. I will make space for you. I will include you. Together we will be a community of love, respect, and justice. Together we will learn about white supremacy culture to create a more equitable congregation. Together we will protect the vulnerable. When we fall out of covenant, we will call each other back in. Thank you for being with us today.